I'm Glenn Southam and welcome to the podcast that shares the challenges, successes and advice of marketing professionals working in recruitment. You also get to find out their favourite swear word. You can find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Southam and the podcast website can be found at thelonelymarketers.com, the no strings network for marketers in recruitment. This is The Lonely Marketer Show. Let's get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lonely Marketer. Uh, today, we've got our first ever Australian guest, um, and it's Kylie LeMay, who I've been working with on and off at Concept House, a recruitment firm. But Kylie's background is very much not recruitment. Um, so <laughs> welcome, Kylie. Yeah, thank you. Good morning or good afternoon. What time zone are we talking in? <laughs> yeah, it depends when, whenever anyone's listening. Uh, the beauty of podcasts. Fair enough. I, <laughs> I, was, I was saying there that your, um, your background definitely isn't recruitment over the years. Um, no. but it is quite... Um, I think it's quite an exciting background. It would be good. It would be good if you could just give a quick um, whiz through your uh, your career. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's primarily been within the FMCG space, always um, more product marketing than services. Mm-hmm. Um, really experiencing all areas. So, sort of going back to my long career, I had the opportunity to actually do product development locally, which was pretty exciting. Um, But, you know, it's gone through to strategic brand planning and execution in both B2B and B2C business models. Um, I've been lucky to work in both local positions as well as international marketing roles um, where I developed demand generation strategies for global brands, or as I like to say, world domination. That was pretty fun. Um, And I rounded off my experience by stepping into sales and agency roles, which really helped me gather a good understanding of the dynamics and needs of both those areas as well. So I kind of challenged myself to be really Mm well-rounded. But um, most recently, I've had the great opportunity to work on brands with a really strong social purpose. And I found it incredibly rewarding just to drive campaigns that connected on deeper levels with brand consumers and also generating a positive effect. Um, from the brand so things like that have been just really highlights of my career so yeah, yeah and now Dove, Dove, Dove was the most recent one wasn't it your this, this kind of the social purpose Dove and yeah Dove and Ben and Jerry's yeah so I think a lot of people will it, yeah a lot of people here in the UK will will remember you know Dove did a very similar um similar campaign with body image mm. here and I think I think it's probably still yeah. ongoing we still see those images now so was that was that very similar yeah. over in it's, Sydney well it's a worldwide campaign okay. um and it's beyond just their marketing communication they actually deliver self-esteem programs to children in schools okay so it's not not branded dove it's pure um sort of going in with self-esteem programs that aren't branded, but to go in and help develop the esteem of children from the ages of um, like about 12. You've got to get them really young, start (laughs) building them up then and then, um, yeah, going through. But, yeah, I remember standing in a school delivering a program um, to a year five class, which was just just so incredible and they were just so, so amazing in what they already understood about self-esteem. Well, just so exposed now, aren't they, with with social media and everything? I th- I, you know, we we've both got very very young children ourselves, and you know, the way the way even now as 
two-year-olds they can scroll and open phones and everything like that is scary so, um, yeah I asked my son for help yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned uh, Ben and Jerry's there I suppose we'll have to ask what your um, favorite flavor is Oh, it's gone now. They had Caramel Sutra, which was a caramel core within a chocolate, uh, uh, sorry, vanilla and chocolate chip ice cream. And the other side was just vanilla ice cream and it's pretty yummy. But um, yeah, I have to go back to my triple caramel chunk now. Oh, never mind. Never mind. And, and like I say, <laughs> you, um, you know, we, we've managed to, to work together over the past couple of months and you've come into a a very different world in the world of um, recruitment. Um, <laughs> yes. How have you found that? Yeah, like I found it really interesting. I mean, for me, I really, yeah, well, we were talking before about kind of the bullshit areas of marketing and, yeah. and one of them, especially in Australia, is how niche people look at other experience you've had when they're recruiting locally. But I'm such a big believer that marketing skills are transferable. So for me, it was really just identifying the different consumer and their needs and asking a hell of a lot of questions of <laughs> you and the team. Um, and so, I, you know, identifying that there's really two consumers, but they stand on different sides of the equation. So you've got the client and candidate and trying to figure out the needs of both. And at times they'll compete and at times they'll be aligned. So yeah, it's really it's really that kind of balance for me to try and keep that top of mind in what messaging and communication strategy I'm I'm, I'm utilising to make sure that I can talk to both. Yeah. Um, I but think then you I, know working. In, no, go on, carry on. Yeah, no, working in like a B two B structure, mm-hmm. you also got to be more commercially or more sales orientated in marketing. And I think whilst you're developing a brand, the marketing strategy really in recruitment is on how many candidates are we getting and what value does that bring? And so for anything that you're spending, because there's not, you know, a defined marketing budget as such, you're trying to make sure that you generate that return on investment at every point. Yeah. And the size of the yeah, the the size the size of the marketing teams are, are a little bit different as well, aren't they? Compared to um, <laughs> compared to what you've been. I work in all with. sizes. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I've worked as a single operator before in a in a marketing team. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I, I'm not sure. You know, you're be, you're much better placed than me to say this, but um, is it is it a lot harder? And we'll, we'll speak about purpose a little bit um, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But gaining that. Um, emotional attachment and that loyalty within recruitment is I think that's a challenge for for any recruitment business but also I think for for marketers um because it's a lot more people to people uh rather than Mm. people to a product slash service that do you have you noticed that as well it's a lot harder to drag out those those emotional kind of ties yeah, look, you're providing such a, a, a transactional service, aren't you? But mm-hmm. I think I think you're getting people at their most insecure moment. Mm. Um, so if a candidate is really going for a job, you know, it may be that they're unemployed and they're really desperate to get a job. Um, and so they really, you know, and there's so much insecurity when you're going for interviews and going through that process that I think there's a great opportunity to try and provide that type of emotional connection with your candidate mm. um, because you know from from my own experience when I'm looking for roles I've really tried to identify the recruiters that I know that are going to work with me 
um, and not just use me as a candidate. So I think there's an opportunity there to really kind of tie into that part. And then for the clients to trust you as if you're part of their own HR department, because I guess they've always got that in the background in their ear about, you know, why are you using an outside person? Why can't we do it? And things like that. So I guess there's certainly those things that you could try and um, pull as levers for emotional connections with people that you're trying to do and put that through. But um, it's also then, as you were saying, talking about purpose and trying to differentiate yourself in that market. That's yep. the hard part. <laughs> I well, think it's the hard part in any role, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's, well, there's, especially in, in recruitment, you know, whether it's here in the UK and I know Australia has a, you know, a, a booming recruitment market. If, if, if nothing from UK-based businesses going to set up there as well as Australian firms is that there is just... Yeah, they're all English. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much choice, isn't there? It, like in terms of substitutes compared to... Oh, I'd, I'd probably say compared to any any other industry, really. It, it, like you know, yeah. in in London, you know, here, you know, you have seven, eight thousand recruitment firms. Um, it's it's a huge industry yeah. globally, and and that being able to get that differentiator and just nailing that down is um, mm-hmm. is key. It has it has to be key. Yeah. And and, and, don't, and right. don't and don't fake it. I think um, you know we often. I think it's it's an ongoing joke that um, people talk about their their USPs and their USPs being that we're a specialist recruiter in this sector. Um, uh, You know, we know our candidates better than anyone. And and you think, you know, everyone says that. So that isn't a USP and your USP has to be kind of your purpose, doesn't it? Because your purpose is completely to you. That's right. It's how you want to do your way of business, what makes you feel good about what you do every day. So, you know, not everyone has the same purpose in that respect or how they approach it. it it's their differentiating factor. So, yeah, it really is. I mean, it comes into play and, and makes it such a great opportunity to sort of promote yourself and what, why you're different. And, and I think, you know, Concept House has a really, really nice niche that they can go for yeah. in that way. And, and you know, they're just, they're just honest, great, people that care yeah. and, and you don't yeah. always find that in the large corporations and that is what you say you have seven to eight thousand recruiters around and it's from any size from big to small you just you never know what you're walking into <laughs> whenever you go to them so I think yeah to really kind of try and promote that strong brand out there based on a truth a purpose behind it is something that we can sort of try and differentiate with and I think you know it's not it's not an easy it's not as an easy task to do. Um, you know, we, we spent a, we spent a couple of days in, in Munich dra- dragging things out of consultants because I don't think, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's, um, it's natural and it, it's certainly not a common thing for people to look inwardly at themselves and at the business. It's always focused on mm-hmm. the, the what of what they do as a business. So I think it'd be good for, you know, people listening if, if they want to go through this discovery of their, of their why, um, as Simon, as Simon yeah. Sinek has made famous, yeah, if, if you could just, just spend, um, spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, about, 
kind of what what we what we did and if if people want to like carry out these purpose workshops and find out their why and then thread that through the rest of their business um i think that'd be that'd be good for people to understand yeah well certainly we're available for that you and i yes. <laughs> <to> help them <laughs> um but yeah, I think I mean really, it's identifying what gets you out of bed in the morning, isn't it? So, so the way we structured it was very much um, along the lines of Simon Sinek model, um, the golden circle, and really identifying the why, what, why, and what you do. So you you really need to identify what makes you feel good or your proud moments um, to really know when you shine and why you shone. Mm-hmm. And it, it's always about what you're giving, not actually what you receive or what you've achieved. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that moment when you feel great about yourself because you've done something great. And once you've identified that, it's then weaving that through into what that can mean for others and, and creating that as your purpose as you go through that process. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Or? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it does, um, obviously, because I was there. Uh, but yes, it, okay. I think it's, <laughs> it's that importance of keep asking why isn't it I, I think we probably had That's to right. we had to keep pushing and asking the same question maybe three or four times yeah. until you actually you never accept the first yeah, why it's not it's not yeah. oh you know why did that make you feel good oh because they got a new job yeah but why did that make That's them right. feel good <laughs> it's just digging down yeah and then it is sometimes the deeper because, level yeah to, to, it might be the point that you know people people wanted to move you know, into the into the Austrian mountains to to live, and that, that was the <laughs> ultimate thing. And um, and then yeah. and then you have to try and create those commonalities between all of these. You know, we had so many That's stories, right. didn't we? It's like, well, what are the commonalities yeah. and trying to bring it together? Yeah. That's right. I think I think so. So certainly, it is. It's about asking the true reason of why it made them feel good, and it's about then you know, not just more money for someone. It was about what it did for that person's life and digging deeper into the emotional level mm-hmm. um, and getting to that emotional level, obviously, with German salespeople was a bit tricky and that's why we had to ask why a few extra times. Um, but, you know, the guys really could identify then the stories that made them feel really good about what they did. And once we find those stories, you, you find the reasons why. You find the verbs, the actionable actionable reasons of what they did to create that and then you can look at how you can apply that to other areas of your business so that's what makes you unique so for instance i mean um the why the why for um keep cup is to create a disposable free world yeah and you know their why is really about that guiding principle of their whole business of what they want to do and it can lead to other areas beyond the cup so, you know, from that perspective, that's what makes them feel good about themselves in that real social purpose. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be social. It can be the true reason about why you want to help others. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I think, you know, that, that's the thing that you've got to identify is what makes me feel good about what I do and how can I then apply that to the business as such, not living in the Austrian mountains, but actually <laughs> on a work professional basis, for instance, if you want your professional why, what what do you feel good about the company doing? And I think that's really, really sort of the, the why question behind it all. Yeah, I think, that, and you know, there, there's, there's far too many businesses, I, uh, I know for certain there's far too many 
um, recruitment businesses, but it probably applies to to many out there in the world, is that whether it's mission, um, vision, values, sometimes these are just kind of cooked up um, from a textbook uh, that are made in a boardroom with a select, you know, three or four, three or four people, and they're plastered along the across the wall and then mm-hmm. it's just pointless that's just the tick box tick box exercise isn't it that's not gonna it's not gonna add value you need you need everybody's input because like you say it needs to it needs to impact every single area of the business not just uh whatever service you're delivering but the the type the types of people that you're hiring and everything and if yeah. you're if you're just plucking we before we started we we're recording we were talking about textbooks and things if you're just there if you're just plucking things out of textbooks and using the same old buzzwords for, for values, then um, I mm. think, I think nowadays, especially pe- people could just see through that, can't they? That's right. And I mean, look, mission and value, uh, mission and vision change over time. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, you can achieve them. They're a long-term goal, they're, but they, they can still be achieved. Whereas purpose is something that really ultimately is enduring. Um, and it sits outside of um, surrounding your mission of values. And, 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 I mean, we talk about purpose uniting people. We talk about purpose um, appealing to like-minded people. So the values that you set as your purpose should be appealing to your consumer's values. And it's, it's then connecting on that, that emotional, deeper level. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's, that's the power of it, you know, that you can connect on a deeper level with, with your, your um, consumers. And so, it, you know, it was really rewarding to take the team through it and try and think mm. of what they could do to connect on those levels um, to, to really sort of, yeah, really give them that purpose, but also to then give them a, a way to talk to, to people so that they can connect emotionally. And what, what do you think, um, what do you think, kind of a marketeer or a marketing department's role is in this because you know the the defining of your of your purpose and everything that comes with it is you know that is hugely important isn't it for for a business Mm. but what what kind of role do you see as marketing playing in it completely central in Well, I think it firstly is a business, so it has to come from a business perspective because it has to be, as you say, it can't be a marketing marketers. thing. No, <laughs> no. If, if marketing do it, it can often then be seen as in, in um, what's the word you were saying before, like it's insincere. Yeah. So you know, you can you can do a marketing course led campaign. And that's a campaign. But when you're doing a purpose, it needs to be enduring. So, I mean, I guess if you look at companies like Unilever, Mm -hmm. they have a guiding principle of sustainability. Um, And then they have brands like Ben & Jerry and Dove who have this enduring purpose and that continues on. It has to be everything that happens. So, from a perspective of marketing, it's a yardstick that you hold out and sense check all your decisions against to say, does it ring true to the purpose or not? So, you know, it depends if you have if you have a brand purpose or if you have a company purpose. Mm-hmm. But even that, like I've worked with the brand purpose and then I've worked with the company purpose. So looking at brands, you're making decisions on even where you're producing brands and how you're producing brands to tie back into a sustainability purpose that the company has. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, it's also the ability to motivate your teams, inspire people's passion, um, you know, touching the hearts of your consumers. So when you're communicating about your purpose, you're talking about your true beliefs. And so you can have that connection so much more strongly um, to the point that we actually didn't call Ben and Jerry's consumers consumers. We called them fans of the brand. Yep. So, for instance, if we did a post around climate change rallies or something like that and someone came in and said, what's Ben and Jerry doing talking about climate change? We didn't have to respond in that. Our our fans <laughs> would write back to people on Facebook going, do you not understand what Ben and Jerry's have done since their conception of their business. <laughs> you know, they, these people champions, they were our brand champions because they believed so strongly in the business purpose that Ben and Jerry's had. And so they do the job of promoting you for for yourself. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. So, you know, most, can... Recruit, most recruitment companies would love an army of, of fans, but I, I get the feeling that the majority have armies of trolls trying to put them down. But... <laughs> I, th- I think oh, that's, that's, that's the other horrible side of, of social media. <laughs> yeah, it, it, is yeah. Now, it is nowadays. But like I say, I, th- I think uh, more often yeah, than but not, if you especially can turn your candidates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know the the way you do that is you know by by having those those great great stories, isn't it? Of um, and, and 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 they exist in most recruitment companies. Well, every recruitment company. I've, you know, I've I've heard candidate stories where a brilliant opportunity has come up for someone to, you know, to relocate from London to Copenhagen, I think it was. And mm-hmm. it was a really, really good opportunity. They didn't want to turn it down, but they um they had a wife and they had a they had a small family um on board and they couldn't really move at the time. So that got given back to the consultant the consultant spoke to the client and they end up working something out where they created a new role in this business and you know sorted out schooling and everything for um wow. for the children as well and you know they're, they're the kind of stories that that do create fans i know that it's not the most common yeah. thing but you know then that's the extreme to one level yeah. but any little stories like that if if, if you can yeah. start getting them out there that that's what's gonna think all right these are more than a CV pushers and transactional kind of recruiters. Yeah, but you even go to a very basic level. And I remember being called up, I think, within the first week or the first day of starting a new job that I was placed in. And the recruiter just wanted to see how my day was, you know. How did I find it? Was I excited about it? You know, that follow-up and that personal touch, is it can go a long way to feeling like they actually care about what they've <laughs> yeah. done and not just the turnover in their, you know, sales budget for the month. Yeah, I think, you know, if people are going through any kind of similar processes in terms of visions and values, and I can imagine in remote recruitment businesses, this will get pushed down to a marketing department is kind of be quite quite strong, I'd say, and push back and say, look, if we want to do something like this, this is a, this is a cultural, cultural change. Um, We need people involved at all levels of the business it needs to be yeah. ongoing it isn't we do this project in two months oh it's done tick and mm. you know most recruitment business oh, yeah most recruitment businesses aren't the size of 
of a Unilever. So you've, you've, got a good, you've got a really good kind of chance to really embed this, haven't you? I suppose, and then mark, marketing's yeah. right more often than not, you know, you need to obviously be that ambassador as, as we usually are, um, brand ambassador. Cool. But what about from a kind of a communications and level in terms of getting yeah. it out there type thing? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, the way that a, a business purpose can live fully is if it's endorsed by all areas of management, but it's also adopted and believed in by all areas of the company. So, you know, it can't be a marketing purpose solely because it'll just be looked at. And, and if you're in a traditional, you know, a traditional company where sales and marketing are at each other's throats, um, <laughs> it's never going to be worth so I think you need representatives from every area um, because, you know, one thing I've learned is that if you create things together, you get buy-in from yeah. everyone. <laughs> but if you create it and then deliver it, you're not likely to get the buy-in. So I think that's where it needs to be either a representative from every department or, you know, have as many people as possible there. Um, but everyone has an opinion about what they feel the company does best. Yeah, And that needs to be heard and that needs to be integrated. And I think the best thing about what we ended up with was that at the end of the day, we had all these great statements, but we the, the group was unified in the one that they felt encapsulated their purpose the best yep. and they voted. So yeah. having everyone vote on that for, you know, a great, great uniformity, I think, within our, within our experience, that allowed complete buy-in. And, you know, to the point that I hear the sales guys talking about that statement, um, the marketing team talking about that statement, everyone's thinking about how they can enact that statement in their own roles. And that's, yeah. that's because everyone was there on the day of the creation of it. And I think it's really important. It can't purely be a communication or marketing role. Yeah. Um, but having said that, Communication-wise, I think from a company website perspective, it needs to stand there about your purpose. You need to make it visible to everyone. You need other people to know what it is, the deeper level of why they want to work with that company. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's what people look for now in companies and in jobs and everything. They look at what is the company doing on a greater scale and do I want to work for them and do my values align? It's really yeah. important to people That's now. Work, work with them, work for them. And, you know, you have to put it out mm. there to, to stand by. And I think, you know, I think what, what we're saying there in terms of getting, getting buying and I think it goes for pretty much every project, especially in recruitment because... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but more, more often than not, anything that you that a marketer is doing, uh, creating a new project, introducing new ways of working, more often than not, it is alongside or it needs sales buy-in. So you do do need to be commun communications. You know, it's, it's probably the, the biggest skill you could have, I think, as a, as a, as a marketer yeah. being able to, you know, interact at, every level of the business through from through from reception to to ceo if if necessarily because um because your activity is yeah. is impact well it should be impacting every area of the business shouldn't it yeah but i mean you know simply i mean i've worked for a company with a great 
value culture and they've integrated each of those values into their performance appraisals. So, mm. you know, you could almost get to a point where a question of a performance appraisal integrates your business purpose. How have you lived this purpose yeah. in your role on a daily basis? Um, get you know, away, get away from just the sales figures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's important if, it, if, if the business stands by their purpose and they want to be, you know, really authentic about that, they need to make everyone keep it top of mind and they, and they need to make people live it, not just be, it, not just become a marketing tagline. And that's the risk that you run if you don't have a true purpose that you believe in. Yeah, no, I completely, completely agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> any, any big, it, it sounds like, which is, I, I, I was quite surprised at this, you know, especially on, on, mm. the, on this part of marketing is ultimately, whether you work in a, you know, a tens of thousands employees business like a Unilever or a, or a mm. 10, 11 man band like <laughs> uh, Concept House is, is that yeah. it's not a huge amount of differences really when it comes down to whether it's defining purpose or, or marketing in general really, is it? it because yeah. the, the, the kind of the overall aims are the same. You might yeah, have, definitely. You might have I mean, a few more resources, but that's that's only because of the scale of the business. Yeah, that's right. I mean, fundamentally, what are you doing? You're just looking at how do we get in touch with our consumers and how do we drive awareness for our business? Yeah. Because objectives don't really differ, like depending on what channel you work in, how big the business is. You know, it's all about just selling stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is usually. Yep. The, the promotion of it, so... Yeah, it's very similar in that way. At least, at least at Concept House, you don't have to deal with the supermarket giants who all just want margin. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just um, just just difficult candidates and clients a lot of the time. But you know, yeah. it's the, like, so it's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the same with you know you have bad customers in in yeah. in FMCG and difficult suppliers and things like that. So I think it's the same. Yeah. Cool. I've, and out of stock, you can't find candidates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, I, I think the thing, that I, oh, the thing that I see is really great, certainly at Concept House, was how marketing sales are more integrated and supportive of each other. You know, I mentioned about silos in the past and I've known companies where sales and marketing are quite distinct and they, they almost don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in big companies that happens, you know, marketing people won't even go to a sales meeting or know what happens there. So the, the, the good part about, you know, working for Concept House and I don't know about other recruitment businesses is that marketing are looking at how they can support sales and sales actually have a good respect for the part that marketing plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to work together. You have to work together to put out job job posts. You have to work together to, to talk about, you know, what you have available. And so I think it's really nice to see that they work together quite nicely in this role and at, at this company. Yeah. I think, I think generally for the, for the industry, um, you know, it'll either be, a knowing joke that you know marketing and sales kind of <laughs> kind of don't get on but yeah. they they do impact each other and i think i think generally i'm i'm seeing certainly over the past 18 months or so that i've been you know fortunate enough to go into a number of recruitment businesses it is getting better there's always going to be challenges but you know if there wasn't challenges mm. it would be 
it would be boring but I think now with yeah. marketing marketing tools um, marketing automation uh, and and everything um, like that means that marketing can kind of position themselves or clo- more closely align them with with sales because they're appearing further and further down the funnel so a, away from that a wet just a pure awareness you know they're starting to generate the interest and even you know to uh, we we joked about not using acronyms and marketing stuff but if you use like the <laughs> ada model of um you know awareness interest desire and action i think marketing's getting you know pretty much can can pretty much see all of the funnel now and then just push yeah. it to the salespeople. here you go guys look we, it's, it's already made for you go, go ahead and go ahead and make some money <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't think you have the luxury of not getting turnover now. Like, you know, I mean, marketing just gets more and more pushed to make sure that sales are coming in and take Mm. an active role in in making that happen. I don't think we have the luxury of, you know, big budgets and advertising companies who can do whatever (laughs) without getting that return on investment. Yeah. So I think, you know, you really have to understand the sales process. Um, and be part of it and supportive of it. Otherwise, your your role doesn't exist really nowadays in marketing. No, cool, cool. Uh, right, I, I really enjoy this episode. I, it's nice for it to be um, a little bit uh, different to to speak into you know recruitment marketers. Although obviously they've all been great, just to get a really different perspective. But as always, I always end the show with uh, with five questions. It'll be interesting. Now, um, so what yeah, over the over the years that you've done marketing in different businesses, what's the what's your one marketing tool or technology you couldn't live without? <laughs> I don't know how many times this comes up, but I wouldn't live without PowerPoint. <laughs> oh wow! I, think, I think that's the I first think, one, Kylie. Really? Oh my god! I worked solidly in that one program in my international role in Schwarzkopf because <laughs> we, you know, went from one presentation to the next to communicate to the worldwide. But yeah. then I was laughing because we used to get labelled the spreadsheet bitches. Yeah. Um, when we worked for generic generic pharmaceuticals because all we did was deal with price. So yeah. <laughs> we used to talk about the 1P of marketing with generic pharmaceuticals because it was all about price. Yeah. <laughs> so Excel was king there. So I'd have to kind of answer with Office. <laughs> uh, a little Microsoft shout out there. Uh, what's your favorite brand yeah. other than any of the brands you've worked for, of course? Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> you know what? I really, I'm not a massive follower of brands. It's really terrible to say that. I mean, you know, Ben & Jerry's is one that I, I just love because it's yeah. stand out for me with its social purpose. Um, but, oh, God, I don't. You mentioned Keep Cup earlier. Yeah, look, I mean, I buy into a Keep Cup, but it doesn't have to be the brand. It could be <laughs> a really nice boutique little pottery made one, you know, like, I'm such not a brand girl. Um, okay. Well, no, you, you can have Ben so and Jerry's. You can have Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I mean, just their whole their whole setup of their business from the outset, you know, it, it's a quite incredible brand. So, yeah. yeah. And I suppose, young. like you were saying, like we've been, you know, we've talk, talked about for most of the episode around, around purpose is that, mm. you know, the fact that, you you eat you eat their ice cream. You've worked for them. You're still championing them <laughs> after you've left the. Business. Yeah, there's a lot, really. Yeah, well, I I think for me, I've also chosen the brands that I wanted to work for very carefully. Like I've been lucky enough 
that when I looked for roles, there was enough options around of brands that I've wanted to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've had opportunities with other brands and I couldn't see myself fitting with them. Mm. I, so think, I think, I think that's what a lot of people do now. And I, I think that's what people, that, that's yeah. especially recruiters, that's what recruiters need to need to be aware of so you you Mm, often see so so many so many things on LinkedIn about a recruiter called me they wouldn't tell me the name of the company and all and all that stuff but you know this stuff this stuff matters increasingly more to to people Um, you know not not just people our age are probably you know even more so the the people who are entering the workforce and going for their you know their second third jobs out after after school or university you know these things matter now and we need to kind of realize they matter (laughs) yeah no it's incredibly like it it is incredibly important and that's when you know i come back to the unilever purpose and how they promote that as their brand it's really important and people people do look for that now when they're looking for businesses i mean for me, I was lucky enough to kind of identify that I was certain brands and not others when I was younger, yeah. and I really kind of went for those. Yeah. Um, and it's the reason why I lasted only six months in, in generic pharmaceuticals. I found it so unsexy that I couldn't work for them and had to leave. Um, but, you know, it's the best money I ever got paid in my whole life, but yeah. I couldn't do it. It just didn't fit with me. So, yeah, when I talk about brands, I work for the ones I love, and, and I don't really kind of beyond that. Buy into such a brand world. <laughs> what, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, I'm mad about the sound of um, crunching gravel. Like when you oh, walk on it, I yeah, feel it. Yeah. It's really weird. I feel it in my teeth in some way. And it's just, it's such a satisfying noise to me. It's like popping bubble wrap too. But yeah, yeah crunching gravel, I really love. Get that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Get that. Other, other in yep. the world of other in the world of uh, marketing and and being a mum, of course. Uh, what profession uh, would you like to give a go? Oh well, like, okay. So I've always had those moments in marketing where I'm like, I'm just going to quit and do what you know I really love or whatever. And um, it was always either to be a motivational speaker or a professional dancer. Wow. But um, I think. I think I could still give a go at motivational speaker, but I don't think I could do a professional dancing. I think my dancing days are over. <laughs> yeah. The pro- the problem is as well is that uh, I think the world, it, again, if you look on LinkedIn or anywhere, the world seems to be inundated with um, motivational speakers. I'm, I'm sure there's motivational speakers for people trying to be motivational speakers as well. Um, I know. Well, I always thought my my um, angle could be I haven't faced adversity, but I'm still motivated. <laughs> 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 because half of the motivational speakers have been challenged in some amazing way and they've come through it, which is, is just so admirable. But yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to get out there and say you don't have to be challenged to want to be motivated. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a... Um, uh, a crazy backstory to get to you to this point, yeah. doesn't it? No, it's very, it's very, very true. Um, <laughs> always good one. Favorite swear word? Yeah. Oh, look, why limit yourself to just one? Glenn? Come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can't pick one. Um, however, I'm having to curb this greatly now that I have a two-year-old, and um, he is just getting to the point of repeating things. So, I found it quite hilarious the other day when he told me. Ashes busting mama's balls. <laughs> wow. I love that. I, I love yeah. that in more ways than one because it makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I basically said, stop busting mum and balls. <laughs> and he laughed his head off. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the the different ways he said it were a bit concerning, but he finally got down to Ashes busting mum and balls. <laughs> uh, good, good, good. Cool. And, and, that, and that wraps up for yeah. another episode. So um, thank you so much, Kylie, for, well, Stay, staying up a little bit later in in Sydney to uh, to record this, um, and you. Um, you know, like like always, everyone, please uh, review, comment. Um, you know, if you've got if you've got questions around, you know, creating purposes and, and things like that, I'm sure you know you can you can reach out to myself, but Kylie's on LinkedIn as well, so please please reach out to her, and I'm sure she'd be more than happy to to have a chat um, and. Yeah, review, cool. subscribe, like, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and I'll speak to you all next week. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks, Glenn. Take care. <laughs>